I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome back, everybody. It is your Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. As always, in these seats, it's uh, Ian Mendes, Sean McIndoe with you. Uh, get you caught up in, uh, you know, in about an hour with what's going on in the hockey world. I got to tell you, Sean, last week, I think when we signed off, I was like, well, I can't wait to get to you. Uh, because remember, Toronto had lost the opener to Montreal, and, mm-hmm. and we had kind of played out the scenario of imagine if we uh, we get together again on Thursday and the Leafs are winless, and the sky is falling. Now, they're not winless, but I kind of feel like that loss to the Coyotes on Monday was like the equivalent of losing two or three games. Like, yeah. tell me right now, what's going on here? Because uh, this, like, Sheldon Keefe had to apologize for using the wrong words uh, to, to kind of, you know, give, give a bit of a tongue lashing to the, the stars. And, I, you know, it, it feels like for, a, you know, a week or whatever, 10 days into the season – Kind of feels like it's off the rails already. Yeah, I, and it's tough because on the one hand, this this all feels pretty ridiculous. This team is two and two. Um, it's it's a week into a regular season that we all agreed didn't matter. 
for this team. I mean, they could have beat the Coyotes 12 to nothing on Monday and nobody would be giving them any credit. Nobody would care. Uh, it, it is all about the playoffs for this team. And yet here we are having at least a, a mini crisis based on uh, based on the fourth game of the season. And uh, the whole Sheldon Keefe thing, the way that played out was weird because he didn't say anything that was a problem. Uh, you know, he didn't say anything that wasn't true. He basically said, if people didn't hear it after the game on, on Monday where they lose to the Coyotes, he said that we've got elite players on this team and Arizona doesn't, which is true. And he said that tonight our elite players weren't elite and that's why we lost the game. Also true. Uh, and, you know, was he ripping on guys? Was he trashing guys? No, he, he was offering what I would argue is a pretty mild criticism uh of uh, of a group that that hadn't played great now you know it, it's not like austin matthews mitch Marner, and those guys were awful you know it's not like they they were coughing the puck up and and leading to goals and that sort of thing but what sheldon keith was basically saying was look in a game like this we expect our elite guys to make a game-breaking play at some point and it didn't really happen and uh yeah i think that's completely fair and, and in fact not only is it maybe the reason it stands out is because this organization has bent over backwards over the years to to keep any sort of criticism of these guys it, it, it keep any sort of public criticism of these guys away now we don't know what happens internally we can assume that you know behind closed doors there's there's more honest conversations happening but i mean every year year after year we see it this team loses in the playoffs and, and kyle dubas comes out the next day and says we're not trading anyone we're not breaking the core up we believe in these guys just vote of confidence after vote of confidence. And the fact that Sheldon Keefe came out and made, again, what I thought was a pretty mild and true observation about how a game went. And, and then he didn't apologize the next day, but he kind of did walk it back a little bit, saying he had used the wrong words and that he had talked to uh, to some of the guys about it. And, uh, you know, again, this is the sort of thing that this happens in any other market and it's not front page news. And, and uh, you know, this is, this is the Toronto dynamic in play. This is what happens when you got 20 different media guys at every practice looking for something to talk about. Um, but I, I really hope that's what it is. And I really hope this isn't uh, the start of some sort of internal problem where, where the star players are mad because the coach said they didn't play well when they didn't play well, because that's going to be a problem. And, and I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm, I don't speak for every Leaf fan, but I hear from an awful lot of them. And I'll tell you right now, if, if Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, whoever is listening to this going, you know what, I, I bet you the public will be on my side if I turn this into a battle with the coach. I don't think so. I, I, think, I think there was an awful lot of Leaf fans going, it's about time somebody said something about these guys. And if they really had a problem with it, we don't know that they did. But if they did, um, I don't think that's going to play really well in Toronto. Uh, here's what Austin Matthews said, uh, about all of this. And again, like you said, Sheldon Keefe kind of walked it back and said that he, you know, used the wrong words when he said, uh, you know, the difference between us and Arizona is we have elite players. Austin Matthews says what's said in the media and what's said behind closed doors is maybe different than how it's interpreted in the media. This is my seventh year here now. And I kind of understand how it works. The conversations that go on behind closed doors without media are generally more discussions and communications rather than harping on guys. So, look, he's saying that sounds this is fair to me. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. That, 
they, you know, and, I, I'm and look, you. They, they don't, yeah. they're not obligated. We're both in the media and, and we believe that there's a certain level of transparency and a certain, you know, fans want a certain amount of access, but these teams aren't obligated to, to let us in on every conversation that goes down. I, I'm sure there's, look, every team, I, I'm sure there are conversations behind closed doors that get heated. I'm sure there's conversations that get a lot more than heated and, and we don't have access to that. And that's fine. Uh, that's, that's the way it should be. Uh, you know, it really, it did feel like the, the Sheldon Keefe thing was, um, I don't know, it it it, it felt like a, a, a nothing story and yet a little bit of a self-inflicted one. Not that he said it in the first place, but the fact that he then walked it back the next day, which led to everybody who had maybe not even paid attention to what he had said the first night going, okay, well, wait a second, what did he say if he's walking it back? And then, you know, it, it, it just starts the whole cycle again. So I don't know. I, I don't know what made him think he he needed to uh to do that but uh, i i think maybe that was more the issue than what it was that he originally said if we looked around the league right now and looked at other coaches let's let's create a little list here of coaches that would never go to the podium the next day and walk something back or <laughs> apologize or say yeah. i used the wrong words okay so torts right yep Yep. He, John Torrell is not getting up to the press conference the next There's day, right? And two guys in the league that are where it's 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 literally funny to imagine them. Sutter that. and Torts, right? Sutter and yeah. Torts are the two guys. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. You imagine Daryl Sutter Darryl getting Sutter. up there. Yeah. yeah. And and again, like I, I would say if if I, <laughs> I I am I am told that there are <laughs> hockey fans out there who maybe aren't Leaf fans and don't follow this team on day to day. And if you're hearing this, go and actually read the quotes and everything because because we don't want to misrepresent it it's not like you know sheldon keith didn't get pushed out in front of the media to grovel and beg for forgiveness and and all of this stuff you know he just he, he obviously wanted to clarify it and yeah sometimes when you're in front of the media especially after a tough loss maybe the, the wrong words do come out i don't have an issue with somebody saying you know what it it came out it wasn't the way i meant it I, i'll give him credit at the very least he came out and said, I used the wrong words. It wasn't you guys misrepresented. It wasn't you guys took it out of context. It wasn't, you know, th this kind of game that a lot of people would play. He said, hey, I used the wrong words. Okay. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I didn't feel like he, he owed that because even if it was the wrong words, it was so mild that uh, I don't know. Why, why would you even feel the need to do that? Yeah. And, and by the way, lo would love to hear from the listeners if there's anybody else other than Sutter and Torts that would be on the list of coaches that would never walk anything back. Let us Imagine know. Craig like Berube being like, I'm, I may have hurt some feelings and I don't really <laughs> want to. Uh, I, I think there's yeah. a list. There, there's a pretty good list of guys that I don't, yeah. I don't see. Yeah, you might be right. It might be it might be more than just Sutter and Torts. Hey, listen, we usually save the voicemails and the emails and the and the kind of the the feedback from, from listeners to later in the show. But since this kind of ties in with the Leafs, and by the way, we're going to do a couple of different things today just because – we're recording early on Thursday morning. Jesse, we didn't want to. Jesse, nobody gets up in Vegas before seven a.m. Right? So that's right. Yeah. Uh, if somebody's awake in Vegas at seven a.m., it's because they didn't go to bed. Exactly. So Granger, we're not going to have Granger things brought to you by BetMGM <laughs> this week, but we are going to move some things around. Let's play. Let's play the voicemail right now. Okay. This is uh, you. You. You just said. You know. I'm. I'm aware that there's some people who aren't Leafs fans, and that One apparently is. Yeah, apparently, this is what what's happened. But uh, and reminder, you can leave us a voicemail at eight four five four four five eighty four fifty nine. This is Matt from New York. And uh, I'll use the air. You know, it's one of those, you know, my friend uh, said, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. have a listen. Here's Matt from New York. 
my best friend is a Maple Leafs fan. I am not a Maple Leafs fan. And he is in panic mode. I'm calling now on a Tuesday right after that loss to Arizona. He's in full-on panic mode and, you know, doesn't know what to do. As an outsider who's not a fan of the Leafs, I'm not – I wouldn't be panicking about this team. I would still pick this team to make the playoffs. I don't think you could give me enough odds to pick this, against this team to make the playoffs. So, Sean, my question is, as someone who is a Leafs fan, are you panicking? Should you be panicking? Can you separate the Leafs fandom from what seems like to be maybe a slightly more neutral or objective approach? Or do you think that my friend is right and this is full-on panic mode? All right, Sean. So – my friend is a Leafs fan. Mm. He seems to be in panic. I think Matt asking is a Leafs for a fan. friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I mean, th- listen, this is this is a fair point. I think a lot of people who are on the outside still look at this as a lock it in playoff team. Like Matt, Matt yeah. is like, look, I we're a week into the season here. They're two and two. I, I don't I don't see the reason why the sky is falling. And yet, yeah. as we talked about, the so, sky is falling for some people. Well, okay. So let me let me explain what's going on. And and, and Matt kind of asked a bunch of questions there. So let me start yeah. with with the easiest one, which is, can I, as a fan, separate this out and be rational and objective about it? And the answer to that is no. Of course no. I can't. Don't, don't be ridiculous, man. This is kind of, come on. Um, but as far as, you know, what he's describing, uh, he, you know, he talks about his friend panicking, and but, but he doesn't say really what that means. It, it, look, if your friend is out there going, fire everyone, fire Keith, fire Dubas, trade, Austin Matthews, start the rebuild, tank for Connor Bedard based on four games, then yeah, of course, that's that's unreasonable. But I will explain to you why I, I think there's a uh, a disconnect here, which is that Matt is saying, you know, I look at this team and I go, this, this is still a playoff team. And it is, and it will be, but that's not what people are worried about. Because remember, this team has been to the playoffs six years in a row. And they have had the exact same result all six years. And we all said, and we mentioned it already, what happens in the regular season this year doesn't matter. They could go 82-0. and And it would not matter if they get to the first round and they lose. Uh, it's all about the playoffs. And, of course, the playoffs are six months away. Uh, so what do you do in between? Well, what you do if you're a Leaf fan is you are looking for some indication from this team that something has changed. Some indication that it's going to be different this year. Give us something that we can hang on to to say something's changed with these guys. Maybe this is maybe we're we're this movie, which is now on part seven, isn't going to end the same way that the first six ended. And one of the main criticisms against this team in in recent years, and it's an absolutely fair one, is that they just seem to consistently play down to their opponents. Whenever you know they're playing a bad team. They play bad. And sometimes they still win those games because they, the team is talented enough that they can they can play 50 or 55 lousy minutes. And the five minutes that they do show up, that can be three goals right there. And, uh, you know, that's that's enough for them. But it just feels like this team is so eager to ease off the gas pedal. They are so eager to pat themselves on the back over nothing and then take a game off or a period off or whatever it is. You just don't see that consistent effort. You, you you just see this this dynamic at play where it man, if they string together any stretch of success, the mission accomplished banner goes up, they pat themselves on the back, and they ease off. And then things go to hell. And we're four games into the season. We've already seen it now. 
a couple of times because they lose to Montreal opening night. All right. They go in a Montreal team, a, a team that on paper, uh, it, the Maple Leafs are, are far, far better than. But OK, they lose that game. Maybe you say, hey, you know what? It's opening night. It's in Montreal. It's a rivalry game. You know, it's 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 a bit of a weird one. But you would think that if you lose to a team that just finished, what was it, 31st, 32nd in the entire league, you might think that you would get a week of strong efforts out of that. Like you, you would, your pride would be stung enough that you would go a whole week before you eased off again. And yet, what happens after that? They lose to Montreal. Toronto goes into panic mode. They play two teams in Washington and Ottawa at home. Decent teams. Not not cup favorites, but decent teams. They win both of those games. Now they're two and one. And just, I mean, you could just see it coming on Monday night. And you go, yep, they're two and one. Things are going a little bit good. Now they're playing a lousy team. It's going to be a stinker tonight. They're they're not going to show up. And sure enough, they don't. And how many times can Sheldon Keith get up and give the whole, we didn't start on time speech? How many times can he get up and go, the effort wasn't there? Um, that's what we're looking for. And the people who are, whether you want to call it panic or, you know, if, if Fans are just expressing concern or or asking questions. It, that's what it's about. It's not about, oh, this team's going to miss the playoffs. It's, this is the same story. These guys have not learned anything. They lose time after time, year after year when it matters. And yet they never seem to look in the mirror and go, man, we, we need to find another level here. Uh, it's always good enough is good enough with this group. And uh, it, this this was an opportunity to show that something had changed. And instead, it ended up being an opportunity to show us that this, this so far, four games into this long, long season, it just feels like it's the same old Maple Leaf story that it's been for this entire era. So one other uh, email I want to get to from a listener. And and this is great because, look, and, and trust me, we're going to stop the Leafs. I know people are like, oh, yeah, enough about the Leafs. But, but this is actually a great point that I think any hockey fan can appreciate. So just to set the tone... Uh, or set the uh, the background here before I read Trevor's email to us. Toronto almost tied that game on Monday night. May, and maybe we're having a slightly different conversation if they come back and win 4-3, but whatever. Like, you would have still felt like they were playing with fire, which is the whole point. But they had a, in the final minute of that game, they had a goal called back because of a hand pass in the offensive zone or like a, a pass with the glove. And Trevor says, I propose that the rule be changed closer to the kicking motion for goals, where we need to start taking intent into consideration. In that Leafs-Coyotes game, it was obvious that Morgan Riley had no intention to make a hand pass to his teammate. Therefore, that should have been a legal play. Let me know what you guys think. And P.S., I'm not a Salty Leafs fan. I just think there was nothing about that play that went against how hockey is meant to be played. And I think the rules should reflect that. So, what do you think? Like, I mean, it's true. I, I agree with everything Trevor says. I, I, Morgan Riley was not trying to, um, you know, pass the puck with the glove. It was just floating up in the air. It kind of glanced off his glove down onto the ice, and um, they ruled that it was a, a hand pass. Uh, I'm always a believer of, listen, if, if you're going to allow hand passes in the defensive zone, I think you need to allow them in the offensive zone. That's just me. But what do you think? Do you, do you think this could be a tipping point moment here? That 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 would that would be the answer is is to just get rid of the hand pass rule. Just say you know, hand passes are legal. Um, I, I think that would be a much better solution than uh, what our listeners proposing of, of bringing intent into it. And now you've got the officials trying to trying to read minds and that sort of thing. That that um, we have a lot of rules in the in the rule book where intent comes into play. I don't mind those. 
But in something like this, I would say you just get rid of it. Now, look, based on how the rule is, that was the right call on Monday, just just for the record. The 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 question to me was, you know, you see Morgan Rye's hand go up and Clayton Keller's stick is kind of right there as well. And the question was sort of, did, did the puck hit the stick or did it hit the glove? Obviously, they decided once they decided it hits the glove, it is the right call. There, there was no question that that is a hand pass based on the rules. Um, but no, I, I, I would I, it's, it's just frustrating, not as a Leaf fan, but as a hockey fan that that we man, we spend a lot of time looking for little nitpicky reasons to take goals off the board. Uh, and it's in a league where scoring is still a lot lower than it should be given all the talent out there, given, uh, um, you know, how good the players are these days. Um, man, it is so strange to me that, that we have all these different little things that can come into play to take goals away, uh, because we're so afraid of something counting, uh, that wasn't supposed to be, I mean, this, this was a classic example of, you know, he, he plays it down. Mitch Marner takes it. It's not like it leads directly to the goal. It's it's not like Arizona doesn't have plenty of opportunities to stop that play at some point. Um, it doesn't happen. I don't get why we take them off the board, but we do. That's how the rules work. And based on how the rules work, it was absolutely the right call on Monday night. And you know what? Probably better for the Leafs that they lost the game, take that heat, take the, that damage to the pride, than what it looked like was going to happen, which was they were going to come out and pull it out of the fire and, and get a win that they didn't deserve. Um, big picture, you'd, you'd obviously prefer the one or two points, but... I think big picture, it's better for this Leafs team to have lost that game than to have pulled out one of those 55-minute stinkers that uh, they salvage in the last five minutes. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay. One of the things we've learned is sometimes misery loves company. And look, the Leafs aren't alone. It's, it's interesting to me that already into the first week to 10 days of the season, there's some points around the league or places where it's like things are ready to boil over. And it's not just Toronto. Uh, the Minnesota, let's go to Minnesota for a second yeah. here, Sean. The Wild have given up 20, 20, 2-0 goals in their first three games of the season. This was a great stat dug up by Sportsnet. The last, the last team to give up 20 goals in their first three games of the season, the 1989-1990 Detroit Red Wings. Uh, oh, wow. They gave up 10 on opening night to Calgary and then five to LA and five to Vancouver. So you got to go back to like late eighties, eight, 1989, 90. That's not good. If if they're, if they're comparing your defensive results to anything in the 1980s, that's really bad. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize it was, it was that bad. And yeah, 
it, it in when we were talking about the hand pass and i was like man scoring's not high enough there were probably some wild fans going uh yeah you know scoring seems plenty high to, to us <laughs> at least to, yeah at least the goals against yeah it's yeah it's it, that, that Deed is, it, yeah he's, he's a little sour He's a little well, sour. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, <laughs> boy, coaches coaches are sour when they give up two goals, let alone twenty. So uh, it, this is and, and this is something that you really, I think there is got to be some legitimate concern in Minnesota. Again, this is sort of like the Toronto situation. Not so much that they're going to miss the playoffs. I still feel like that that would be a very, uh, very, very unlikely outcome. But you know, early in the season, it is it's so tough because. Goaltending is so strange and sporadic year to year, let alone month to month, let alone week to week. So, I mean, some of these things that we look around the league and you see some teams 3-0 and or some teams 0-3, it's just a goalie got hot or cold. And it, we know it's not going to stay that way. And so, you know, you just kind of shrug it off. The thing in Minnesota is, you know, they got a guy in goal who won the Vezina Trophy two years ago. He's off to a lousy start. Okay. Yeah, you know, that happens. Problem is he's 38 years old. And, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury was was excellent two years ago, won the Vezina, was so-so last year. And I think if you're a Minnesota fan, going into this season, maybe one of the things you could have told yourself was, look, we're more likely to get the Marc-Andre Fleury from, from two years ago. Because two years ago, he wins the Vezina for, for Vegas, and he gets traded to Chicago. He doesn't want to go. He thinks about if he's even going to keep playing. He goes and plays for a lousy Chicago team. And then he gets traded to us. He comes to Minnesota and he was, you know, he was good. He wasn't amazing when he came over, but it's tough to get traded in the middle of the year. He wasn't settled in and all of that. And then he makes the decision to resign. Okay, now he's now he's here. He's focused. We're going to get two years ago, Mark Andre Fleury. And instead, to start with, um, it looks like you're getting a an even worse version. And and that's what concerns you. Because again, if if we're talking about a 28 year old goalie, I I say don't worry about it. Two or three bad games. Who cares? Um, but when a guy's 38, you know, sometimes when that, when the age comes for you, uh, it, it, sometimes it's pretty quick. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that this guy's a bum now. I'm not saying Marc-Andre Fleury can't play in the NHL. He's going to be, you know, have a, a six goals against average for the rest of the year. But, um, if you were a wild fan and you were sitting there going, boy, imagine, imagine if we had the same team as last year, but we've got Vezina quality right. goaltending again, man, that, that puts us right up there with Colorado. Early on, man, you are you are not seeing it, and it's not all in the goalies. We should say in Minnesota, a lot of it is 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 it's, it's the skaters, it's the it's the blue line, it's it's systemic stuff, and that's that's why Dean Emerson is so uh, so beside himself, and uh, they got to get it figured out because you you don't you don't have a ton of points to give away uh, in that Western Conference, and uh, man, you these these bad starts sometimes they can get away from you, and they can start becoming a little bit self-fulfilling and you really you want to get a you want to get a couple wins under your belt real fast if you're well, uh, you know that's a perfect segue to take us to the other spot that feels like it might be boiling over here in uh in kind of the you know, whatever third week of october that's vancouver and you know i just i i i passed along that stat about the wild being the first team to give up uh 20 goals in the first three games since detroit this stat coming up for vancouver it might even be worse this, this one is mind-blowing. Mind the Vancouver Canucks, who just lost uh, two nights ago to Columbus in overtime after once again having a 2-0 lead, are the first team in NHL history to lose their first four games of the season after holding multi-goal leads in each game. So 
remember, they came out of the gates, what, is 3 nothing against Edmonton? They lose that game. Two-goal lead against Philly, they lose that game. Two-goal lead against Washington, lose that game. Two-nothing lead against Columbus, lose that one in overtime. Bruce Boudreaux, after the Washington game, you want to talk about self-fulfilling prophecies, uh, Sean, he basically says, we're a mentally fragile group right now. Like, we're mentally weak. We're waiting for something bad to happen. Uh, you know, last year it was, hey, Bruce, there it is. And, you know, Vancouver fans were were, were fired up. Yep. They haven't played a – I want to point this out. They haven't played a home game yet. They open up at home. In fact, their next game uh, is tonight against the aforementioned Minnesota Wild. Do you want to talk about Misery Loves yeah, Company? What a showdown this, tonight, man. This, 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 is the, this is the panic yeah. bowl tonight. Yeah. So Vancouver has the potential to go. To go home for their opener, and I, I listen. I grew up in Vancouver. I, I have so many friends who are Canucks fans. I love that city. I love the fan base is super passionate. They we have to look this up. Has there ever been a team that started a season basically winless in their first five games and then had a home opener? Like this could get ugly oh, real fast. I don't know. And and you looked at the schedule when it came out for Vancouver, and you went, oh, it's a five-game road trip to start the season. That's a bit of a tough one. And you kind of look and go, oh, you know, Oilers, Wilder on there. Yeah, think of the Blue Jackets and Flyers, too. Okay, you, you probably want to come home with six points, and you'd be okay. And, uh, boy, it's it's already in panic mode. And, you know, you, they've got this Minnesota game tonight. And and obviously, whichever team loses tonight, that the, the, the panic spotlight goes on that team. If, they, if it's Vancouver... You talk about the home opener in a couple of nights. Look who they're playing. Buffalo. The yeah, Buffalo exactly. Sabres. That's got to be the worst possible yeah. team that you could be playing because it's a, a in theory, lousy team that's not a contender that you you have to be able to beat. And yet, you know, the Sabres, to borrow a term, they, they're a little pesky. You know, they're, they're not anyone's yep. pushover. So, boy, it, it is not hard to imagine a situation where, where Vancouver comes home 0-5 or even 1-4, even if they get the win tonight. And they're not playing well against Buffalo. I mean, I don't know what the record is for the fastest Bluebirds to come out, but I mean, they may not make it out of the first period before those fans turn on that team. And here's the thing. I'm going to give you one thing that worries me about Vancouver that that didn't apply to Toronto, Minnesota. And then I'll flip it around. I'll give you one thing I feel good about. The thing I feel good about is like a lot of these teams off to bad starts, the goaltending hasn't been good. No. And we just finished saying Mark Andre Fleury's 38 years old. Man, is this it? Is he maybe hit a wall? The goaltending in Vancouver hasn't been good with Thatcher Demko. I don't buy that as being any sort of long term thing. There's nothing has changed with Thatcher Demko. He's in his prime. He's a good goaltender. I believe in this guy. Every goalie has a bad week every now and then. Vasilevsky, Shesterkin, Dominic Hasek had bad weeks. Uh, so when I see Thatcher Demko not look very good for a week, I'm sitting there going, I, I will write that off. I don't, I don't consider that a concern going forward. So that's the good news is that unlike some of these other teams, Vancouver has a very good proven goaltender in his prime. I think they'll be okay in that spot. Here's the thing that worries me is we said with Toronto, look, this team's making the playoffs. We said with Minnesota, I, this, this, this team is still going to make the playoffs. We're pretty sure. Vancouver was a playoff bubble team coming into the year. Vancouver was one of those teams where they've got certainly the talent to make the playoffs in that Pacific, but obviously didn't make it last year. And you're looking at it this year going, yeah, man, who are they going to pass? We think Vegas is going to be better. It's it's a tough path. They don't have two bad weeks to give away. They don't have six points to give away in the standings um, the way that maybe a Minnesota or a Toronto or some of these other teams might. Uh, they need they need 82 games. Uh, so 
they are already digging themselves a hole. And uh, look, we we saw it last year, right? They started awfully. Travis Green gets fired. Bruce comes in, and and they play at a playoff pace for the rest of the year. And you know that's where a lot of the optimism came from. Um, but man, they feel like they're they're going down that path again. And I were we talked when we were talking about coaches on the hot seat. I love Bruce Boudreau. I, I think he's a character. I think he's a great coach. I think he's a, he's one of the great underrated coaches of our era. But man, I I was worried about him coming in because of the way it played out in Absolutely. the offseason, right? Where he had the option and the, the team was kind of like, eh, go do your go see if you can find a different job. You know, they did seem to be in a hurry to bring him back. He's on the one year option. And what's the thing that you look at with last year's Vancouver team, right? Did, if they had made that coaching change two weeks earlier, would that have been enough to save the season? And you wonder if that same kind of logic applies on this. And, and man, what a what a turnaround that would be. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that stat was amazing with with the two goal blowing multiple goal leads. In fact, do you have the do you have the stat like right in front of you right now? Because I'll, I'll tell you, when I heard it, it was after three games. They said first team to ever start right. the season and and blow three such games. And then when it happened a fourth time, the the version I heard was first team to lo- lose four games in a row like that ever, like regardless of period. start not the start, start of the season, season or middle any wow, okay no, any time. First team to ever lose Jeez. four games in a row where they had multi which blows me away. I mean, again, like it is scoring was so high in the 80s. You would think it must have happened to someone there. But I guess you've got to be, and, and this is part of what is so frustrating for Vancouver fans, you've got to be a good team to get multi-goal leads over and right. over again. But then you've got to be a bad team to blow them. So what what even are these guys? It's uh it, it's it's enormously frustrating. And um I certainly get the sense that the temperature in Vancouver is already very, very high. Uh, and the, the frustration level is is already a little bit off the charts there because it's been such a confusing offseason for Vancouver. Well, we're going to start a new path. Jim Benning's gone, new management. We're going to we're going to do things differently. And then they didn't seem to be doing anything different. And they, they bring back the same team and everything. And they're they're in win now mode, but they're not winning now. Um, I, I think out of all of these teams, with apologies to Minnesota, I think Vancouver is the one right now where I'm, I'm looking at it going, yeah, maybe maybe panic is appropriate. And certainly if they lose tonight. All bets are Yeah, no, you're right. This is going to be fat. I wonder if this is one of those games where both of the teams look at each other like, hey, gentlemen's agreement, we get to overtime? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man, if it's tied with 10 minutes left in the yeah. third, it is going to be uh, uh, potentially, yeah, they, they just need the points. But Everybody uh, needs points here. By the way, it, it, was, just, it was so interesting because, it's, uh, sorry yeah. I, I, to interrupt you, but it, like I, I when I wrote uh, about Vancouver over the weekend, I do my Weekend power rankings come out on Monday. And at that point, they were 0-2. And, and I had a list of all the teams that, you know, I was saying that were off to slow starts. And I was saying, I, you know, I, I don't think they're that bad. And the top three teams on my list, Washington, Columbus, Minnesota. And then I look at Vancouver's schedule. And the next three teams they play, Washington, Columbus, Minnesota. And they're 0-2 so far in those two games. You go 0-3. I mean, you're, the, Vancouver is the get-right team right now for everyone else. That's the team you want to see on your schedule. Uh, when you're not playing well to get you back on the winning track. And that that is not a good place to be. Yeah. And by the way, Dom Lucician has uh brand new, uh, you know, playoff odds out today on, uh, on the athletic Vancouver, all the way down to 26%. So they, you know, not, they wow. were close to a 50% proposition to make it, but they have plummeted here with this. That's uh, rough. With this flat start. One so, week. I, I mean, we, we said it before. I think we said it last week. It, it gets late early in the NHL when you're not playing yeah. well. You never wrap Absolutely. anything up, but man, you can fall out of things real quick. And uh, 
boy, how, how long can you wait if you're the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah. Uh, I want to bring this up because I, I think Steven Stamkos off to a great start. Leads the league already in goals with six. This guy is, to me, unbelievable. And yet, a little bit, and I don't, I don't know if the word is underrated, but I'm thinking about this because I'm looking at the league leaders. I'm like, there's Steven Stamkos again, six goals in four games, leading the league in goals. And I'm, I'm looking at, and by, and by the way, okay, I want to point out, I, I know you like quirky things, weird things. I want this to happen so badly, okay? Steven Stamkos, Sean, is 13 goals away from getting to 500. He's got 487. He's 21 points away from getting to 1,000 points. How amazing would it be if his 500th goal is his 1,000th point? Man. Like, it, we're sitting right it, – it's possible. It I want happen. people to understand. Look at – like, it could happen. I, you know right? what? I like that. That's uh, – yeah. yeah. That's a good one, man. Let's uh, let's let's keep an eye let's on Let's cheer that. for this. Yeah. That would be a really good one. And – Yeah. Man, it, it is weird because, you, you know, you said, I'm not sure underrated is the word. And, and I'm with you because it feels like we don't talk about Steven Stamkos enough. No. As, as a generational star. And yet, you know, underrated, you know, it, it, I don't know anyone who doesn't like Steven Stamkos. Like, if you say Steven Stamkos to a hockey fan, their eyes light up. Oh, that guy's great. You know, and it, it, they, yeah, so everyone loves him. And yet, it, it just feels like, and I, again, I don't, you know, the, the career path early in his career when he had the, the two Rocket Richards had the 60 goal season. He was, he was basically Austin Matthews um, of his era. And, you know, it was it, it, at the time, if you had said to a hockey fan, hey, the guy who's going to chase Wayne Gretzky's record is in the league right now, they would have said Stamkos, not Ovechkin. And then he sort of took, you know, a little bit of a step back. Health became a bit of an issue, became, you know, settled in more of a 40 goal guy. Um, I don't know if maybe we were just so spoiled by how he started that that suddenly felt like disappointment that a guy who was putting up 40 or 45 goals when he was healthy and then he hasn't been healthy lately. The Lightning are, are so good, and yet it feels like it's, you know, Victor Hedman's team, Nikita Kucherov's team, um, you know, the, the, all, all these different things. But, um, it, you know, I, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. Uh, I run a, a contest every year, and one of the questions in the contest, it's a prediction contest, and I got to 2,100 entries this year. And I've got a piece going up tomorrow with some of the, some of the more interesting finds, but I'll, I'll spoil one of them, which is, there's a question at the end of the contest, and I say, name me a player who doesn't play for the Oilers, so not McDavid or Dreisaitl. Name me a player who's going to get 100 points this year. And if you get it right, you get bonus points. If you get it wrong, you lose your whole entry. So you, you want to be sure. Uh, there were, I believe, seven guys in the league had 100 points last year, and Steven Stamkos was one of them. He had 106 points last year. How many people out of 2,100 do you think listed Steven Stamkos as a 100-point guy for this year? Uh, four. Two. There were two wow. people out of 2,100. So one out of every thousand yeah, people. Was basically. willing to look at, and again, you get to list one guy. So, I mean, you know, obviously there were a lot of people saying that. Awesome Matthews, Kucherov, other guys like that. Only two people picked Steven Stamkos. And this is a guy coming off a 100-point season. And, and obviously to start this year, looks like he's going to be right there again. I, you know, I know that there's, there's concerns. Is he going to be healthy? Is he going to play a full season? But... Um, this is a guy that is just, uh, you know, he's, he's an underrated guy and Austin Matthews hasn't been healthy right. either. So it's, you know, for the fact that there was something like 700 people picked Austin Matthews, two people picked Steven Stamkos. This guy is 
you know, he, he's he's on the Hall of Fame track. He's he's done everything that you could really do in the league. Um, hasn't hasn't been that MVP guy, and maybe that's it too. Maybe you know, people sit there and go, "You get you got to have an MVP or at least be a finalist." Uh, you know, he was the runner up the one year where he had the sixty goals. Um, but man, I don't know what else we want from this guy. He's he's been phenomenal, and everybody loves him, and yet. As soon as it's time to start listing the the greats that we're seeing, it feels like he kind of fades into the background. Right. This is my point. Like, imagine going back to draft day 2008 and saying, Steven Stamkos taken first overall will end his career. He's likely going to end up close to 600 goals, if not more. Multiple Stanley Cups. Like, like he did everything. Do you think part of it on Steven is just due to injuries and circumstance, he's never played in a best-on-best tournament? Like he never played for Canada at, you know, Sochi or, you know, any of the world, like yeah. any of the, is that part of it? Maybe? Maybe. I, you know, and, and I would have said related to that, that maybe a couple of years ago, I would have said, well, does he have that signature moment? Does he have that he moment does. that you think? But I feel like he got that in the final when he came back in like right? and scored the goal. And yeah. So, um, yeah. I, and, you know, the numbers are there. And again, it's, it, I, I think maybe part of this is we're talking about a guy who is primarily a pure goal scorer, and he has the misfortune of playing in an era with arguably the greatest pure goal scorer in the history of the sport, Alex Alexander Ovechkin. So, um, you know, that that does maybe diminish a little bit. And, and you know, he hasn't had the 50-goal season in, in 10 years, right? I mean, he's, he's had two 40-goal seasons since then. So... Um, you know, he certainly is a guy where injuries and and everything, he set the bar so high with those early seasons where you're looking at it going, this guy, forget 500 goals. He's going to be six, 700, 750 goal guy. He's, he's the new Mike bossy or or whatever you might've thought. Um, and he hasn't been able to, to maintain that, but he's, he's so good. He does everything so well. And, uh, it's, it, it is, it's, I mean, as a Leaf fan, they played Tampa in the playoffs last year, and you're like, oh, man, Kucherov, Hedman, Vasilevsky, oh, Brayton Point, you know, and then you get out there and you see 91 skating around, and you're like, oh, man, I forgot about that guy. Oh, he's going to do something. He's yeah. going to do something phenomenal, and then sure enough, he usually does. Yeah. So anyway, let, let's all, look, if, if Stamkos has been under the radar, fine. Let's put him top of the radar. Let's all cheer for Stamkos to get his 500th goal and 1,000 points yes. on the same play. Okay. We gotta like we gotta monitor that yes. as we go. We gotta have like the countdown to uh, to to see how that's gonna go because man, that would be uh, that would be a fun one. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Directv with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Directv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Directv has the most MLB games. Visit Directv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. 
Uh, hey, speaking of fun, I got to tell you, uh, and and you know, look, and you live in Ottawa. For people who don't know, Sean lives in Ottawa. I live in Ottawa. Obviously, I cover the Senators. Man, this thing has been bleak for years. And I got to tell you, Tuesday night's game, I had chills. And I, and, and I haven't had that kind of spine tingling feeling inside that arena in a long time. And it was, it was, they played, they had 106% capacity in the building. It was rocking. And I'll tell you the moment for me, they did a real good job of keeping this under wraps was Daniel Alfredson came out to drop the ceremonial uh, puck to start the season. And they had this great shot. If you haven't seen it of Alfredson, nobody knows in the crowd that this is about to happen. And, they cut to a shot of him, in the, a live shot of him in the dressing room. And I mean, I thought the roof was going to come off this place. And it was such a cool moment. And I thought, you know, I, I, I wish every fan base could experience what we experienced in Ottawa on Tuesday night. Like, there's just this awesome connection between a player and a fan base. And I'm wondering, does every franchise, Sean, have that one guy that can do that, like, give you the chills up the spot. Like I would think in, in Toronto, like I would think Wendell Clark could still do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, one of the things that, that I've noticed in the, in, in Toronto, uh, they, they have a, or, or at least last time I was in a, in, in Toronto a couple of years ago, they have this pregame video that they play of high. And, you know, it's exactly what you would expect from an original six team You know, a lot of black and white, a lot of, uh, you know, all the greats, and, uh, you know, the crowd gets into it. The crowd reacts to everybody. And there's Johnny Bauer and there's Dave Keon and there's Daryl Sittler and Boris Salming and, and everyone. But they go nuts whenever it's a Wendell Clark play. Whenever they show Wendell, even if it's just him sitting on the bench, the place just erupts. So I, I feel like, yeah, he'd, he'd be the guy. In try. I feel like everyone does have that guy or, or maybe a few of those guys that they would get that reaction. Now it is a little different in Ottawa. We should say for the, for the context here, not only is Alfredson the best player in franchise history and the most popular player in franchise history, but there was a falling out between him and yeah. Eugene Melnick, the previous, you know, uh, um, uh, owner front office, whatever he, he sort of was not welcome by this team, not by the fan base. Fan base never, never turned on him at all. But, uh, and if anything, he was kind of the symbol of everything wrong with ownership and the way the team was run, because it was like, if you can't, if you can't get along with Daniel Alfredson, uh, that's our guy. And so I think the symbolism that we saw in the home opener was even a little bit deeper, right? Cause to have him come out, it really sends a message that this is a new era. The old way of doing things is gone. And, and I think that's why it hit, so much but yeah no i i i expected the most teams would have at least one guy uh if 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 not several i mean i'm at montreal geez I, every every game starts with something like that with uh with with yeah. those guys and uh you know in vancouver i i would imagine trevor linden uh is is maybe still the guy there that uh, uh brings back those memories and there'd be other guys as well Go on down the list. Yeah. And then, you know what? That's awesome. That's that's part of what makes sports so great, right? Is you get those connections with people that you've never met. You don't know anyone anything about, but uh, that, that was that was really well done by Ottawa that they didn't, uh, uh, they, they kept it as a surprise. And uh, it uh, it was it was very meaningful for those fans to, to sort of get the message that we are really showing you that it's a new era. Yeah. Like, and I'm curious, like, but like, um, like Ottawa's a kind of a newer franchise, right? Like, yeah, somewhat newer franchise. 
like I would think in like Tampa, Ottawa came in at the same time as Tampa. I would think Marty St. Louis, or maybe he mm-hmm. had a, a bad ending, but may, maybe it's Vinny LeCavalier, right? Like he probably evokes that emotion. My question is like Nashville and Florida. Like, yeah. do they have like, like David Leguan doesn't do that. I don't, I don't think is, so. Is it, is it Pecorine? Is it I, I think, yeah, it, it is tough because, you know, when it's guys who just recently finished their careers, yeah. um, you know, I wonder what the Shea Weber reaction would be like. Uh, oh, yeah, that might be, that might be, that might be a little tougher. Again, Weber. you know, like the, the way, the like, way things ended. Florida is, Florida is the tough one. Okay, here we go again. We got in so much trouble last year. Every time, every time we started talking about the Panthers, we would, uh, we wound up in a, in a bad place last year. That's right. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Who would it be for the Panthers? I mean, I don't know. Is, is, I mean, John Van Beesbrook with it, with everything with him. I I don't know if he's the guy. Is it, you know, like Scott Mellenby? It's got to be somebody from that 96 cup run, right? You, well, you would think, I mean, I, Roberto Luongo is extraordinarily popular there. And again, that's another guy who just had his career end relatively yeah. recently. But, uh, you know, he he might be the guy there. But uh, yeah, that that would be a little bit tougher. Columbus, I, I guess he got Rick Nash. Minnesota Wild, yep. uh, it's it's Koivu, right? You'd have to think. Um, yep. I don't know. That'd, that'd be interesting. If you're, that, that, that's a good one to throw it to the listeners. Like if you're a fan yeah. of a non-traditional team, let us know who that guy is. Let, let us, uh, you know, a couple of Canadians who, you know, we, of course, we don't we don't watch any of those teams anyways. Like, let us know who that guy is because I do feel like, you know, it, it's some of them are easier than others, right? Anaheim, Solani, Korea. You got those two guys. That's easy. Uh, San Jose, it's Marlo Thornton. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to hear uh, some of those uh, some of those other ones. Like, who is, yeah, who is that guy? And especially, I would also love to hear from, you know, Who's the guy that maybe isn't a star? You know, he's not the Daniel, he's not the Hall of Fame or whatever, but the guy where you're like, you know, that's our guy. And, you know, he, if, if, if I'm a Devils fan, and, uh, you know, you can have Ken Scott Stevens, Scott Nettermeyer, but Ken Danico comes out, I'm coming out yeah. of my seat, you know, that sort of thing. That, that, uh, I'd like to hear that too from people. Yeah. So, yeah, hit us up either on Twitter or in the comment section. Love to hear uh, from people on that. Listen, we're going to wrap up this episode. And- I got to tell you, that game on Tuesday was, uh, I'm going to use the word unhinged. Ottawa mm-hmm. was up 3 nothing. Boston tied it at 3. Ottawa takes a 6-3 lead. Boston makes it 6-5. Like, it was perilous, unhinged. Like, it was wild. And it was fun, and it was entertaining. Yeah. And it, For it everyone but a coach. Yeah. There are two people even, in that whole building that hated <laughs> yeah. that game, and it was the two DJ head coaches. DJ Smith and Jim Montgomery were like, yeah, yeah give me, uh, get me out of here. But, you know, I mean, DJ Smith after the game said, look, I we'll take a win anyway. We can get it right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, he, he didn't, he, you know, he did, coaches don't love that, but I loved it. And it's one of those games where you're like, you know, and, and in fact, I had a good chat with uh, uh, Shane Pinto yesterday. I'm sitting at his stall. We're just kind of shooting the breeze a little bit. And uh, you know, he says to me, man, if you're, if you want, he's like, if you watch that game and you don't come out of it and you don't love hockey, he's like, I don't know what to tell you. And I'm like, yeah, this is like, you know, the players love it, right? The players love those types of games. And, and we were saying, like, that's the type of game you would love to, you know, put that on a, a USB stick or whatever, like, you know, put it online and show it to somebody and say, this is how fun the game can be, right? You want to bring new fans in. You want to show them the 7-5 game. You don't want to show them the, you know, the 2-1 yeah. hockey game. But that brings us to this week in hockey history. And I got to tell you, okay, uh, usually I look up 
things and you know I'm trying to find something different that you know maybe we haven't talked about in, in the on the pod over the years or whatever and I'm like I've never heard of this game and you want to talk about wildly unhinged games I kind of feel like this might be on the short list of the most unhinged game in NHL history so to give the listeners a little bit of a uh, context here we're gonna take you back to October 17th 1989 so this week in 1989 the defending Stanley Cup champion Calgary Flames roll into the Colisee to take on the Nordiques, who are at the time probably the worst team in the league. In fact, not there's mm-hmm. no probably about it. They're in the midst of a... a three three years, they finished dead last. Yeah. Okay, so but they're the worst, I, I would say not only the worst team in the league, the worst non-expansion team in the history of the NHL. Yes. Okay. So now, do you have the box score up there? I do. Yeah, because okay, so I'm, I'm like you. I'm, you you sent me the I, link to this. I'd never seen this before, and my jaw dropped. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to set the scene, and then you're going to take the, the, the listeners through what okay. happened. Okay, so again, defending Stanley Cup champion Flames are in to take on the doormat Nordiques. Guess what, though? With about seven minutes left in the game, Quebec is up 8-3. to 8-3 to three with seven minutes left. And then, as they like to say on, on Twitter... And then what happened? So and then, yeah. what, why don't you walk the listeners through Calgary's down by five goals and then what happened? So Calgary's down eight to three. 13 and a half minutes left to play. Gary Roberts scores a goal, makes it eight to four. Seconds later, Gary Roberts scores again, makes it uh, eight to five. And seconds after that, Jim Plotinski scores, makes it eight to six. So they've scored three goals in, let me do the math, 27 seconds. <laughs> to close it to within eight to six. And if you're a Quebec fan here, you're thinking, oh my goodness, here we go. This is going to be an all-time epic collapse. But from there, they settle it down and Quebec rides it out. And they get into the final minute. They're still up eight to six. Not just the final minute, the final seconds. In fact, at the 1941 mark of the third period. So there's 19 <laughs> seconds left in this game. Um, I, I, presumably a scrum breaks out. And Gary Roberts takes a penalty. Gary Roberts of, of Calgary. So the Flames are down two goals. There's 19 seconds left. And, and he takes like a, a roughing and unsportsman. Like the game's over. This is clearly They're a guy sending them. a message. He's sending a message. You know, it's 19 seconds left. Obviously, we're not going to win this game. But, we, you know, we're, we're not going to go out like that. So they're now shorthanded with 19 seconds left. Four seconds after the Gary Roberts penalty, Doug Gilmore scores to make it eight to seven. Okay, and so shorthanded. Shorthanded. Remember, back then, this, the... The penalties could still be in the in the zone. So they're, they the faceoff is in the offensive zone. The flame score, they make it uh, eight to seven. And four seconds after that, they score again and tie the game eight to eight. Four seconds after, that means a faceoff at center ice. And they shorthand it with, with 15 <laughs> seconds left in the game. And I, I don't know about you. I, I spent probably way too much time digging on YouTube. I found the game. Boy. Oh, you it, did? If you, I, 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 oh. I found, I found a like a. It's one of these things where it's like somebody uh. clipped together the highlights and they put like rock music or like you know, like I don't know why they did it this way. It wasn't like a like high like an official thing, but I, I found those last two goals. And man, if you if it, the the video is uh, what's the title of it? It just says Flames versus Nordiques seventeen dot ten dot eighty nine. So that's the date, right? If, uh, so yeah. if you search Flames Nordiques October seventeenth eighty nine. The the end of it. Um, first of all, it, it, I mean, if if you're if you're an NHL coach, don't watch it. 
because and if you're somebody maybe like me who romanticizes the 80s i was the greatest era of hockey <laughs> don't watch because oh my goodness it reminds you that uh you know i think we have too too much in the way of defensive systems these days but we didn't have anything back then because the 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 goal to make it eight to seven so there's the face-off is in the quebec zone uh quebec's got a power play they got an extra guy and yet the flames win it back they pass it to Doug Gilmore, who is completely alone in front of the Quebec net. I don't know how, when you're shorthanded, you're completely alone in front of the other team's net. The uh, Quebec goalie, Stefan Fassette, responds to this by just flat out diving towards Doug Gilmore. Like, no no positioning, no, no, just total panic, flops in front of him. Gilmore beats him for the goal. Uh, it, it's, it's a ridiculous looking goal. And then, yeah, right off the faceoff, they just win it ahead. Like Joel Otto or whoever wins it ahead and they just go in on a breakaway. It's like video game stuff. It's like, uh, you know, and the other guy doesn't know what buttons to press and you just go straight ahead and they score four seconds in, uh, to tie the game, send it to overtime. And then somehow in an eight to eight game where we've just seen two goals in, in seconds, um, the game finishes as a tie. Nobody scores in overtime. Honestly, this I, I had never heard of this game uh, until I looked it up. I was like, yeah, I'll do this week in hockey history. Look, and they had this game list. I'm like, what on earth happened here? Like, it is just <laughs> just stunningly, stunningly bad. You're you're just looking at it, trying to figure out like what what was even happening here. Like the the goaltending is terrible, which you know it's the '80s, so you would expect that. But it's it's. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm watching the like I'm looking off to the side, just watching the replays. And I mean, Quebec's trying to play defense, which in back in those days means that they're like hooking guys and tackling guys and all of that stuff. But they they don't somehow they uh, they don't get the one guy who's in there. And I'm saying it, they're shorthanded. I would assume I can't actually tell from this. I would assume Calgary has their goalie out. Yeah, I think maybe. I so, looked it up. So I think Mike okay. Vernon was pulled at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean. Eight, eight game, yeah, you probably probably should have been, but yes. Yeah, so, uh, so you know, it's five on five, I guess. Uh, but even then, I mean, how do you, the, it's it's the, both the goals are so bad. But the Gilmore one, just watch the goaltender, watch Stefan. You can almost hear him like yell, like when he sees this guy. Like maybe I'll just dive towards him, and then Gilmore slips it past him, and then the oh my goodness, the uh, the, uh, the the last goal right off the faceoff is. Uh, is an all-time terrible one. Uh, and then at the so I just saw this video now, and then at the end of the video, it's a montage of all the newspaper clippings from the next day in Quebec. Yeah, no, it's uh, like it, this is wild. Like <laughs> the columnists are just ripping them. Yeah, oh, and, performance and, inexplicable. Uh, <laughs> what else? Like this is crazy. Like yeah, how have we never heard of this game? But here's what I want to know. So I looked up the, I'm like, what happened here? So the Flames had played back-to-back games on the road uh, prior to this. Then I'm assuming they had the day off. Here's what I think what happened. Okay, I got a theory. I've said this before. You need to look at the schedule. I bet you the Flames went hard in Quebec City the night before the game. Yeah, well, yeah. I I would, uh, I mean, it looks like they went hard the afternoon before the game, but uh, that's, uh, (laughs) yeah, that could definitely, that could definitely be up there, but uh yeah, I mean, these all of these columnists just just ripping on that. You know what the problem is? It's that the Nordiques don't exist anymore. Like, if this was a team that still existed in its current market, 
we would still hear about this, right? There would still be that, uh, you know, when you're sitting around, I can't believe the Leafs blew a three-goal lead. They always do this. And then, you know, somebody comes in and goes, well, let me tell you a story about my team. Um, yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's for the better. They don't exist after a game like that. But holy smokes, what a uh, what a terrible uh, <laughs> what a terrible collapse. But I, I uh, honestly find the highlights. I, I can't recommend it enough because uh, they are uh, they are every bit as bad as we're making it sound. Yeah, unbelievable. Eight eight, and then and then to for nobody to score in overtime after an no. unhinged end like that. That's even. You know, like how do you just how do you go into overtime like after that and and just you know you're Quebec like you still got the power play for a minute and forty five seconds. Like, hey guys, you want to draw up a play <laughs> or right. something like that? <laughs> That's right. How about, we, how about we draw up a play where we don't just completely abandon our goaltender uh, at at and, all times? And not only that, back then uh, you didn't get the there was no quote unquote loser point, right? Like, That's right. Yeah, like they still had the like they could have ended the game and won at nine eight, no harm, no foul. Like, hey, we won nine eight. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't give up a point. <laughs> what a wild, yeah. Yep. Wild. I'm, I'm just looking at that. Peter Stastny had four points that night. Big, uh, big memorable night for him. But uh, oh my gosh, what a what an absolute mess. There you go. So we'll we'll leave it there. That's a lot of fun. Uh, we always encourage people to check out those uh, those old clips uh, from 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 classic games. So we'll leave it there. Had a lot of fun. And again, uh, boy, Minnesota-Vancouver on Thursday night is going to be a lot of, uh, you know, provide a lot of fodder, I think, for uh, maybe for Haley and, and Jen Tilly or, you know. The way Vancouver's whatever, whatever going, I, I feel like that uh, blowing the five-goal lead is uh, is in play. It's on the board. Yeah, exactly. All right. We'll leave it there. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, hit us up with any emails at the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com or uh, leave us a voicemail, 845-445-8459. Not a subscriber with us? You can join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show. Get an annual subscription for a dollar a month for the first six months. You can also subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. You'll get all of our bonus content from the entire network. You'll start with a 30-day free trial, and then it's just 99 cents a month after that. 